Hello, everyone, and welcome to In the Spotlight, Goodspeed Musicals podcast, where we deep dive into classic musicals one at a time. I am one of your hosts, Michael Fling, here on the artistic staff at Goodspeed, and I'm so pleased to be joined by my co-host extraordinaire, one of the highlights of my 2020, Annika Chapin, Goodspeed's resident dramaturg and artistic associate. Hi, Annika. Hi, Michael. So... This episode is going to be totally different than anything we've ever ever done, because we're not going to deep dive into a musical one at a time. Instead, we are celebrating the new year. We are bringing in the new year right with an In the Spotlight New Year Spectacular Spectacular. Spectacular, spectacular, no words in the vernacular. Can't describe this great event, you'll be done with wonderment. And we're cheating a little bit using the song from the movie Moulin Rouge, not the musical, but I haven't seen it yet and Broadway's closed, so bye. Um, <laughs> so we're going to do some of the uh, segments that we would do in a normal episode, but we're just going to kind of reflect on the year of podcasts. This is officially our 20th episode, but we deep dove into 19 musicals this year, and uh, it's going to be a nice little time to reflect. This is the 20th of 2020. How could we not have done a 20th in the year 2020? We had to. Them's the rules. It's too obvious. It's too obvious. So to kick us off, we're going to do a speed test where I try and remember all of the shows that we dove into in 2020. Hudson's Florex doesn't matter. Hudson's Florex doesn't matter. Hudson's Florex doesn't matter. Hudson's Florex doesn't matter. Okay, I've got a minute on the clock. I'm very impressed with this. I immediately forget everything I've talked about so i would not be good at this, but i don't have to do it so and i was gonna say it may be like it may be cheating because i have a post-it not in front of me but like on my at my desk um and i do all the analytics stuff so i'm like i constantly am re-looking at the episodes um so i may do really well but there's all, there always seems to be like three or four that i can't remember so we'll see all right so i'm going to set the clock for a minute are you ready it's like the ball dropping I know, right? I'll give you a full countdown, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm just going to give you a <laughs> No, I'll give, you, I'll give you a theatrical one as the year ends. Yep. Five, six, seven, eight, go. Okay. Started with South Pacific. Then we did Annie. Then we did Into the Woods. Then we did Spring Awakening. Then we did Guys and Dolls. Then we did Les Mis. Then we did Cabaret. Then we did Jesus Christ Super, no, Wicked. Then we did Jesus Christ Superstar. Then we did Music Man. Then we did, I didn't intend to do this in order. Then we did Dream Girls. Then we did Great Comet. Oh my God, Great Comet. Um, we did, oh, what happened after Great Comet? Um, maybe like, Fiddler. Oh, we did Rent. I know we did Fiddler. We did Rent. I may be out of order now. And then we did Chorus Line, Little Shop, uh, Showboat, Hair, My Fair Lady. Is that all? Oh. Did I get all of them? You got all of them. You got them in slightly wrong direction. You switched two of them, basically. You switched Showboat and My Fair Lady. Oh. You did okay. My Fair Lady, Hair, and then Showboat. But I did get all of them. Did I get all of them? You got all of them. Wow. I have to say, team, I'm, I'm, 
I'm surprised. I usually forget like at least because we've done this occasionally as we go and we try to pick new shows. We're like, what have we done? Um, and I always seem to forget like two or three. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. But wow. Okay. Well, so that's the, that was our 2020 season. So we're going to kick off our Spectacular Spectacular with a new segment we're calling Dear Friend. Dear friend, I had to tell you I couldn't stand it until you knew. Where we answer some of the questions that we've gotten uh, to the podcast email, which in case you have questions for the future, is podcast at goodspeed.org. So Zoe asks, what is your personal favorite of the actual shows, not episodes? So Annika, which of the 19 shows that we profiled would you say is your personal favorite? Oh, it's so hard to choose because they're all so beloved with the exception of one or two. Um, but I will, I'll answer it this way. I tend to, to go through shows. There are shows that like will cycle in for me and I'll want to listen to them all the time. Um, and then there are shows that are, you know, still beloved of mine, but I don't want to listen to that often. And I'm really in the midst of like a big old little shop love. So right now, um, with a nod to so many of these shows, which are like definitely on my top 10 list, you know, South Pacific, I love, uh, Great Comet, I really love, Les Mis is really up there. I mean, like there's so many of these, but right now my answer has to be Little Shop of Horrors. What about you, Michael? First off, I love that. And it's very true. Like I have moments with shows like they, you know, go through, I'm like, oh, this is all I'm listening to for like the next like three weeks. Um, but um, so it's hard because I really do love a great number of them. Like you said, I mean, I love South Pacific. I love My Fair Lady. I love The Music Man. Um, but I think I have to say that I, because I, I do call it my favorite musical, I, I love Into the Woods. I absolutely love it. And also I was like, oh, it's a musical. This is for this. So I, so it has a sentimental place, but also I absolutely love it. It's like right at the center of so many of my interest, taste, comedy style. Like I just, I love it. So Into the Woods is my answer. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's a, how, yeah. How can you, now I'm sad I didn't give that answer too. Cause I'm like, oh, now I've insulted Into the Woods. It's, it is such an amazing show and just yields new treasures every single time you listen to it or see it or watch it or whatever it's just has so much to say about who we are and it's just a brilliant show so yes that was definitely my first favorite show into the woods gateway drug annika subtly calling my taste basic um so <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding no but also like isn't into the woods michael oh so original oh my god <laughs> no but also i mean like little shop is one of those that you know there are shows that uh, one of us doesn't know as well as the other does before we record and do our research and for like me that was little shop i just didn't know it as well and um and i fell in love with it in the process of doing the episode on it it's such an it's such a delight and so fun and so i i, I love that you picked it yeah. I mean, and this is definitely a question where I can guarantee as soon as we stop recording this podcast and I walk away from this computer, I'm going to go, oh my God, how could I not say hair? And then, you know, two hours from now, I'm going to be like, wait, seriously, I didn't say Music Man? Music Man is brilliant. You know, so it's like, it's, it truly, it feels like they're all our children in some way. They're so good. 1000%. So Sarah writes, how do you go about picking a show to put in the spotlight? I'm really hoping that you'll do once on this island soon. 
first off, noted on Once on This Island. Um, and two, uh, it's an interesting, I mean, it's a, it's a process. Like we usually end up, honestly, in all, in all fairness, for a good majority of the first season, we would like get to the very end of an episode and be about to like either do the clue for next episode or like announce what the next episode is going to be. And I would like get all the way through the intro and then we'd stop and have like a 30 minute discussion about what the next show we were going to do is. Um, <laughs> so, but I think the easiest way I would sum it up is obviously we have our individual tastes and our individual like points of view on shows, but we want to have a broad spectrum of the musical theater canon and not just put the shows that everyone talks about all the time as the ones that are the A-list classic musicals. So that it means we try to vary genre, decades, writers. We try to give a, a, a pretty broad survey of what makes a great musical as opposed to just, you know, what everyone assumes to be the perfect musical or anything like that. So that's not a dig on any, any shows, but, um, that's kind of been a little bit of our focus, but Annika, I mean, you add to it because Annika is always like the smart one that's like, well, we really should do like this style next or whatever. <laughs> no, I just could get in the weeds so, so easily. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, an extremely unscientific process, really. We just kind of chatted over, but um, everything Michael said, absolutely. I co-sign on. And the other thing I will say is that um, from having taught for several years, one of the things that I have realized is that a show that is interesting to talk about is different from a show that is either really good or really bad. Um, so sometimes there's that too, where it feels like it's a more interesting discussion to talk about a show uh, for whatever reasons um, that might not be the most obvious choice uh, versus a show that is super popular or for whatever other reasons. Um, so yeah, so so that's pretty much it. We wanted this to feel like you were getting a glimpse into a bunch of different kinds of shows, not just the ones that are on everyone's mind right now or that are often discussed. And uh, yeah, it's kind of nuts the ones that we still love and talk about all the time, but haven't done this podcast. So there's more to come. And also it kind of, in sometimes depends on how much time we're going to have um in, in between like recording the next episode so sometimes like when we know we're gonna have crazy life things happening or uh things at good speed or whatnot we we try to tailor it a bit to where if we know we're gonna have to do a lot of research on the show we you know program that when we know we're, we'll have time to properly research and and really get the good information so to be as effective as possible in uh in shining the spotlight on said musical yeah, true. I mean, funnily enough, there are definitely shows that we are bigger experts on and, than others. And the one that I think we both were very confident in our ability to talk about was The Music Man. Uh, we learned that, I mean, both of us have a long history with Music Man, but basically we just kind of pressed go on record and we can talk about Music Man for hours. We didn't like, we barely needed to do any prep on that one. I was going to say, because the, we just did a good speed. So Annika was really fresh on all of that. And I had just done it. Um, I've done it like probably more than any other show professional. I've done it a lot. <laughs> so I have a lot of like back knowledge of, of Music Man. So yeah, that's for sure. But then like a show like Showboat, we knew that there was so much to look at that we like put it 
toward the end of like you know the year because we're like we'll have time during the holidays we'll have time to look into showboat terrifying terrifying um so gloria asks if you could go back in time and see one of the original productions that you discussed which would it be a great question gloria um so annika what would that be what would that be for you i I think i know mine but what what's yours this is such a great question and i know so much the answer because i so wish i could go back in time and see this show preferably opening night even though it was like four hours long um i would love to see showboat because it was such a mishmash of all those different styles because nobody really knew what this was it was a totally new thing because there were so many pieces of it that are just like insane to my contemporary brain like having queenie be a you know a performer in blackface and having this program in the audience i mean like i having hearing people's first reaction to old man river i just there's so many things that i wish i could sit there and experience with that audience for the first time so showboat is 100 my answer what about you i because i'm such a julie andrews like lover i ha i i have long like i want to go back and see the like opening night of my fair lady because i think there were something clearly so special about that experience to the people in the audience like you're watching a literal superstar be born step one and two you're watching such a phenomenally crafted piece of musical theater that like is a, a incredible performance like such iconic performances on top of this glorious score and the full orchestra and the sets and the things like I, I that has to be that has to be my pick although i'm tempted i mean i'm tempted to say a number of the shows we put like i would love to see the original chorus line not in bootleg form as exists yeah. not that i have ever um participated in bootleg culture um but i would love to see um that that original my fair lady yeah, that's a great answer. And so our last question, Jordan asks, did your opinions change on any of the shows? Um, which I think is a great question. Um, my answer, short answer is yes, my opinions did change on some of the shows. Um, we talked about Little Shop a little bit in that some, I, I talked about Little Shop in the sense that I grew more respect for it than I had previously. Um, but even uh, a show like Cabaret, which I had done and I love, like I grew to love Cabaret even more after doing that podcast that I was like, oh, this is a phenomenal show. Um, and honestly, even like Chorus Line, I grew to love Chorus Line more after we did that episode. Um, again, I, I like Chorus Line a lot, but I something about it just like in talking about it with Annika and doing the research and stuff, it was it's a fascinating piece. Yeah, such a great show. Yeah, I would say this is a great question. Um, I would say that absolutely did happen. Uh, I think I have an example of one where it grew in my estimation and one that actually fell a little in my estimation. Um, I think Great Comet of uh, 1812 was one that I had really enjoyed when I saw it. Um, didn't really enjoy the first time I saw it in Ars Nova, um, which we talk about in the episode, partially due to an uncomfortable stool, which I feel like I have to own, own up to. But um, when I saw it on Broadway, I really did like it a lot, but I thought to myself, is it just the production that I'm really responding to? And things like the beauty of Josh Groban's voice in this you know, velvet palace, it was so gorgeous. And then being able to really dive into that piece 
deeper and the music especially um i just was blown away by how complex and beautiful the score is and also just how cleverly put together the book is and so it it really became something that i was like oh yes this is this is a very wonderful and important thing and um I was very glad to know that because now it's definitely something that I put on my list of like shows I love to listen to because you can just, you know, there's just something new every time. Um, I totally uh, agree with that, by the way. I totally love the production. I didn't know that I loved the show itself and diving into it. I was like, this is a fantastic piece of musical theater. So I have to totally echo that. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Really great. Um, uh, in terms of the one that kind of fell a little bit in my estimation, um, you know, I will say, I will admit that although I do love pieces of the score so much, um, I love um, Heaven on Their Minds, especially. I am not a super fan of Jesus Christ Superstar. I've seen it a few times and I always find it a little bit confusing. Um, and I just, it, I find it a little bit more successful as an album to listen to than I do as a show to experience. And diving into it, reading the script, going a little deeper into it i found that that was still true unfortunately i really um i really had a little bit of trouble uh figuring out what was going on in the script even when i was reading it i just can't quite wrap my head around that show um and i know that it is so beloved from people i love and trust and and really admire love that show so much but i will say i just it it kind of it it stumps me that one. I really always am a little bit like, wait, what? What is happening here? Why why do we like this Jesus character? Like I, I just find the storytelling a little bit incomplete on that show and a little bit even more so when I actually dove deeper into the script. So I will say unfortunately, Jesus Christ Superstar. I totally I hear you on that. Um and I think that's actually a thing that runs through a lot of um Android Weber and Tim Rice, I would say similar things about Evita as much as I love Evita. And at some point we will dive into Evita. But um, but my counterpoint to that would be like, I think if there was one that fell in my estimation, it would be hair only because it was so difficult to read and try to understand without seeing and like at the, the bare bones kind of what's on the page. I was like, oh, this is not as as incredible as I remembered it or thought it was, I, it still is great. I enjoy hair a lot that again, I, we're not saying we hate these shows, but like it was one of those on the revisit that I was like, Oh, Hmm. Okay. <laughs> that's yeah. the, the, that's the, the New York times says, Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, I think hair was eye opening for me because it was a show that I worked on and I worked on so early in my career that it was well before I was really like turning on my dramaturgy brain um, and rereading the script. I, 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 I think I having, having it in my heart as a production before it, having it in my heart as a script, I kind of will always love that show, but I definitely read the script and I was like, Oh, I can see why this was a tough journey for them to make because it just feels like, by the hair of their chinny chin chin they get that plot in there enough that you're like great there's something for me to grab onto in production but even reading the script you're like whoa there is just the barest barest thread that they're pulling through this but it somehow works i you know it's so interesting to look at all these different shows and their various structures and see just how they pull this off in so many different interesting ways or don't 
Yeah, I mean, it really has been a gift to dive into the shows, and I know we're excited to do more. So, so with that, let's actually go ahead and go on to our favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things. Where we're going to talk about some of our favorite things from the first season of In the Spotlight. So the first topic question would be, what is your favorite thing that you learned over the course of the season, Annika? I have to say... Maybe this is a cheat because it's kind of show adjacent, but learning of the existence of the Little Shop of Horror animated series for kids just made me so happy on such a deep level. And actually, I'm going to add a fact that I just learned thanks to a Zoom with some of my friends over the holidays, which we, I think, all learned together. Uh, which was that the the California raisins. This is probably before your time, but there were these. In the 80s, there were these California raisins uh, cartoons that would advertise raisins, and then they made a cartoon series of it. And one of the raisins was vo- was voiced by Brian Stokes Mitchell, which I just learned, which also broke my brain. But yes, there's something so wild to me about Little Shop of Horrors, which is such a dark show and such a specific tone that I would have never thought would be appropriate for kids. And somebody was like, let's make this into a kid's show. I just love, that's my favorite. I mean, we did get a kick out of that when we found it. Like, in it's a pretty wild. It's on our social media, and you can find it on YouTube and various things. But it is pretty wild. Um, just that that was a thing. Like <laughs> the eighties. What a time! What a time! You know, we're the distance now from the eighties that the nineties. Like we we were from the fifties and the nineties. That's so crazy for me to think about. That is crazy. Like, does that break your brain a little bit? Like, it a little yeah. bit breaks my brain. Yes, that breaks my brain a whole bunch. Wild. I have to think. I my so I have to say my favorite thing that I learned. I I really loved diving into the history of Chorus Line and reading about that creation process and actually learning a a lot more about it than I had known previously. Um, just about its creation process i i thought that was the one of the ones that really has kind of stuck with me um generally speaking so it's like i guess that would be my favorite like thing that i learned it's not like an easy quick fun fact but it's it's such a messy story and i i i think there's there's something very interesting about it that i i can't quite separate i can't really get out of my brain like it's like taking up space in my brain still yeah, it's one of the great behind-the-scenes stories about one of the great backstage musicals. I mean, it really, everything about that show is fascinating on every level. And it's one of those that we talk about collectively in the industry. Like, everyone kind of thinks that they know. But, like, it's so much more complicated than the easy, like, two, three-sentence version that has been passed down of it, you know? So, I that's fascinating. Yeah, and the fact that there's even though so many of those people are still alive and around and, you know, teaching the show sometimes, the fact that there's no consensus on how many people were there that first night, it's sort of like, it it already is the stuff of legend in some ways that there's differing accounts of all of this. It, it truly is interesting. So the next thing is I wanted to talk about what your favorite, like weird story, you know, or there are so many stories that we run across in doing all the research. They don't always make the episode. Um, because we have to like cut things for time and all that. Um, but so I'm, I'm curious what your favorite like weird story or just 
our anecdotal information is your favorite from the season. I have to say mine that I have been thinking about a lot too is that the Wells Fargo wagon moment in Music Man where like Winthrop and Winthrop's character arc into like singing and all like all the stuff that he comes out of his shell was inspired by the rain in Spain in My Fair Lady. I think that story is so interesting and like that whole like Meredith Wilson talking about like theatrical magic. I just totally agree with and it was it seems like not a perfect like calling something theatrical magic doesn't like seems like such an obvious term for things but it's such a I something about it just encapsulates for me like what is magical about musical theater I mean it's theater magic but I it's that connection really like has has stayed with me and I think it's really pretty awesome and it connects two of the shows that we looked at this season yeah so cool um i feel like mine is uh the story of dream girls and how effie was originally going to die at the end of act one and then jennifer holiday was like i there's nothing for me to do here so they rewrote the whole show so that that was no longer true and i i think that that's such a good example which we have seen in other shows as well of just how messy the process can be sometimes of writing a story and and specifically how much it is influenced by performers that you have to do the show i mean whether it's mary martin saying to richard rogers and oscar hammerstein if i'm gonna sing opposite this like powerhouse Ezio pinza opera voice don't ever make us sing together which they did sort of um or jennifer holiday simply saying like this character, I'm going to play this character and there's no character for me to play in the second act. Or um, what we saw in Showboat, which is that the character of Julie changed significantly when they cast Helen Morgan. Um, You know, sometimes these things, which I'm sure probably felt like compromises at the time where it's like, we're the story is going to be a totally different story. We're changing it to adjust to this person ends up being an excellent, excellent choice. So I just, I love how much Broadway is a, is a malleable thing when it's when a show is being formed it's it's really these shows change and they grow and and they were they're responding to the people who are around them and in them and um what we think of as these things that don't change at all or are so frozen sometimes have really changed and grown and just breathed as they were being made and i just always love those stories it's a good reminder that what we're doing now with new shows is has been happening with all of these shows at some point in history and you never know the choice that you're making that you're like i wish we didn't have to make this choice now that will end up being a significant uh step forward for your show so i love those stories right like that your collaborators are not just your creative team and your writers like it's also the actors in the room and that like every you know sometimes yeah you're right you think you're making a sacrifice when in fact you're actually taking a giant step forward so yeah I, it's 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 like reassuring to hear that all these great shows have those same things that we now like deal with all the time in making new musicals right like that there is the shared history of that is the art form totally it is reassuring and sometimes it's just fun i mean i think the fact that you told about um call a lawyer and sue me in guys and dolls which was to accommodate an actor who couldn't sing at all and needed help finding his note but that's such an iconic part of that show and that song you know it's it's funny to think that that was just a cheat to get that actor there um 
now we don't think about that at all because we just take it as this fun moment for that character but well and one, yeah yeah and one of the shows we haven't talked about as much in this so far is like wicked and that like Kristen chenoweth came on board so early that that character was so developed and their issue with the show was alphaba who now of course like is the show um but what an interesting like who would have thought that that was the the journey of that show when like it like it happened because of the people in the room and the you they got the right person in the room to play glenda first and then they got the right alphabet and you know it's just a, it's fascinating yeah it is always fascinating and i have to say some of those behind the scenes stories about wicked and the first form it took and having dorothy and the scarecrow were also excellent so our last favorite thing is going to be what and this is at my request um note the spotters will note this is at my request i am uh totally um building up annika's ego um and just you know continuing to throw and heat praise upon her but i want to talk about what our favorite deep dive was um in the season so annika do you have a personal favorite of your deep dives i know she's always overly critical of herself with these this may get cut for time but she's always over critical and she's like i just i really don't know and i'm always like this is brilliant shut up <laughs> so with that caveat annika do you have a personal favorite of your deep dives oh michael i'm blushing thank you um that is so nice uh i will say one of my favorite ones to do is les mis and the comparison between valjean and javert just because i think that's such a cool thing that they do and in terms of storytelling uh it's just so smart it's so smart and it's such fun to dive in and see how they're crafting these two characters with these the same moment that's also a little bit different but um i will say that the my favorite one to do which is also one of the easiest slash hardest is um into the woods it's a very nice prince because the idea that you know i think that's one of the shortest pieces of music that i dove into it was only like a minute and 20 seconds and it was so it's so jam-packed sondheim is so specific and and densely textured and rich that you can just every choice in there is meaningful and so parsing that out is just so fun and then to think that you know there's all this information in this one tiny little moment and then it's a moment that was cut it was not even like a you know valuable piece of the show on the large scale so that is always a joy i mean I worry about doing Sondheim shows in the future because just for that reason, I just feel like the song analyses are going to end up being 11 hours long because there's so much to talk about all the time. That's super, super fair. And I think I have to say, I had a very personal, like artistic revelation listening to your deep dive at, at the ballet just for, you know, that's not, so I don't know that this is my favorite, but like editing it, I like totally, not that I 180'd on that song, but I just wasn't accustomed to listening to the original cast album. And so to hear the original cast members do it was like, and then hear you talk about it and the, like, it, that was a fun i also edit the podcast um spotters who don't listen to the end so i end up listening to them a lot but that was one of those that i i it was special because i loved it but i think i also want to shout out we had a an email to the podcast email from uh, a woman named um i i i think it's pronounced gilly um who mentioned the deep dive in guys and dolls and my time of day as being one of those tracks that she would like skip over and didn't really like and after listening to the deep dive she was like that song is so essential like now i'm like it's one of like up there as one of my favorites in the show kind of so 
um, it's always fun to deep dive. And I also love any time that you change the format of it, like with Cabaret, where you did a little more like the compare and contrast with Bill. We did that and sure you did that. We didn't do it. I edited it. You did it um, for Bill and Showboat. Um, so, and I also love the deep dive on All That's Known and Spring Awakening, um, which gets at such a level of uh, depth with that song that um, we don't need to name drop, but some people very closely associated to Spring Awakening were like, also had personal revelations listening to that deep dive. So I'll drop that little hint there for the spotters mm -hmm. to note. Um, so yeah. Well, thank you very much. I mean, it's funny the I started doing this kind of deep dive uh, song analysis uh, in grad school and it was, I, I'm gonna, I'll admit it to you all. It was, it was born out of rage and frustration because I felt like, musicals got so little respect and people just kind of felt like the songs were silly and the plots were dumb and everything like that. So that is why I started doing them because there is so much depth of storytelling and um, character building and just so, so much good stuff in there that I felt like I, I should at least have that available for the people who were going to poo poo musicals, but clearly nobody who listens to this podcast is doesn't, needs that particular lesson because we're all we're all on team musical and here but if you have friends who are not <laughs> by all means send them my way and i will make them listen to musicals and tell them how there is meaning in them i have done it so many times <laughs> we're all musical nerds here i'm really fun at dinner parties by the way <laughs> I think if we had a dollar for every time we discussed ourselves at a dinner party while recording this podcast, we would not need unemployment. Um, so <laughs> we will never be invited to dinner parties ever again. <laughs> it'll be like the kids table, but it'll be like musical theater table. We'll be like, oh, you guys just go over there. We get it. We get it. We don't need to hear about how groundbreaking these shows were. <laughs> every show's groundbreaking on in this podcast. Yeah. Um, so with that, let's do the new segment we're calling I Wish. Where we'll each drop a show that we're hoping makes it into season two of In the Spotlight. So Annika, what show are you wishing that we will dive into next season? Well, I really have two that are at the top of my wish list. Um, so I'm going to say them both because, <laughs> because breaking I'm going to... her own rules, ladies and gentlemen, breaking her own rules. I just, we just talked about what these segments were going to be. And then I surprise came around the bend with two. Um, uh, one of them is assassins, which is my most favorite show. And I love it so much. And I love talking about it and I've written about it and I wrote my thesis on it. And I think it's one of the most, astounding pieces of art that has ever been made, especially about America. So um, it's kind of a miracle I've managed to not do Assassins yet on this podcast because I am so happy to talk about Assassins. So and, that one- And for the record, I also love Assassins and just directed Assassins. So I'm, I'm game to talk about Assassins frequently. <laughs> yeah, I think that that can safely, we can safely say that might be making an appearance in the next season. The other one I will say for very different reasons is Camelot. Camelot is a show I have worked on. It is of the 
older giant mess show variety with a very interesting and complicated history. And I am just so interested to dive into that history and talk about a show that I think a lot of people have very kind of happy memories of, but I also think their brains have been doing a little bit of post-show dramaturgy by erasing a lot of the um, truly strange subplots and characters. And there's just like a lot going on in that show. So I, I'm very excited to dive into Camelot. I also enjoy Camelot a lot too. So I, um, this is not an announcement saying we will officially be doing either of those titles, but maybe something in that, it might be that we dive into those. I think, so I'm going to stick by the rules and just do one while there are a great many that I wish we could dive into. Um, I'm going to say, I really hope we dive into Hairspray um, because I think Hairspray is a really well-crafted um, contemporary musical. And um, I also don't think it's totally, um, per. I, I don't think, I, I think it has some interesting issues to think about in, um, as we talk about racial justice and uh, telling um, diverse stories on stage. I think Hairspray has some interesting underlying issues in that department that need to be thought about and, um, or at least examined. I, I don't know that it totally is the best message to be sending on, uh, you know, there is quite a bit of, um, you know, just like white people talking about race when it comes to Hairspray. Um, but that is all to say, I love Hairspray. I think it's great. And I think it's a joyous, uplifting, uh, phenomenal evening of theater. But I, I want us to dive into it and and really uh, investigate it a little bit. I think that's a great choice. And that will bring us to our final segment, a segment special to In the Spotlight Spectacular Spectacular, which is Let's Start the New Year Right. Let's start the new where we're going to talk about some of our resolutions, hopes, goals for the upcoming year, upcoming season, but upcoming year as we as we all hopefully are exiting this pandemic and back into seeing theater live and not just talking about it digitally. So Annika, what are you resolving, hoping for, uh, looking forward to in 2021? Well, I would say as a resolution, um, something that I've been meaning to do for years and I know I'm not great at, but now it seems especially important, which is that when we are allowed to go back to the theater and sit in the theater and buy a ticket and, and experience theater in, in a normal manner again, I can sometimes get very lazy about buying tickets. Something will come down the pike and I'll be like, oh, I, I really want to see that. Oh, I have time. I'll wait. You know, maybe I'll see if the, I can get a discounted ticket or something like that. And then you know, oftentimes it'll be the last weekend and then, oh, the just tickets are expensive and I don't have time to see it and I missed it. Um, or I mean to go back to something and see it again and I don't get around to it. And that just feels like what a luxury I was wasting for all that time. And I, I vow that I will get better about when there is something interesting and wonderful that I am looking forward to seeing. I will just open my calendar and I will get out my credit card and I will buy the tickets and put it in my calendar so that I don't have any more of those stupid excuses later where I was like, oh, I wanted to see that, but then I just didn't get around to it. That is bad. That was a gift all the time that I was squandering. So that is my resolution. And in terms of what um, I look forward to seeing, I mean, obviously theater in all forms, but but I am so intrigued to see artists are so resilient, creative people are so resilient, 
And um, one of the most amazing things that I love is to see how people respond to limitations um, because some of the most interesting and wonderful art has come out of specific restrictions that artists have had put upon them for whatever reason. And I think that there is, is going to be wonderful stuff that comes out of this dark, weird time. I think we're already kind of seeing it with people using the internet in new ways, Zoom, storytelling in all these different forms. And I think it will just open up people's minds a little bit to how we can incorporate some interesting stuff from outside of the traditional stage audience world to make storytelling uh, in a theatrical sense even more exciting and rich. So I'm looking forward to that. What about you, Michael? So yes to all of that. One of my resolutions, and this is like always a resolution for me, um, and I did a pretty good job of it in 2020. So I guess my my resolution is to continue to do a good job with it. Um, but I love to read, obviously, I love to read like history, theater history books and creations. I mean, that's why we did this podcast is because I, I love doing stuff like that. So I want to keep doing that and keep reading all of the, the books and things and continue that. And I also... Um, want to keep getting to know shows that I don't know as well that like I just have slipped under my radar or I don't like them as much or whatever but to have more of a even more like knowledge base of some of those um, shows just because I think that it is valuable as theater artists and practitioners to have a wealth of knowledge about shows that we like and shows that we don't and things were successful in various forms and all that. So that is always kind of a resolution goal, but I did good this year and I want to do great next year. Um, and, and especially as we get back to real life and they're become back to real life, once we get back and we're not at home all the time where I did have a lot of time to do that kind of stuff, I hope that I, I get even better at it next year. That would be that. The next thing is I'm excited I think this is similar to what you said, but I'm just excited to see how theater transforms after this and the different forms that um, have will be born out of this, the busting open of the system and the usual practices that I think we will have to change and transform. Uh, and so I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. And I'm, I really hope that the all the predictions that you know the 1918 spanish flu turned into the roaring 20s i hope that we also get to live in a roaring 20s and that maybe late in those roaring 20s of the new millennium we have another showboat that completely blows our mind open to what a musical can be so that's kind of that's my long-term i guess hope but i i that's that's what i'm hoping for. Yes, I love you bringing Showboat into it. That's so cool. And also, I totally agree. And I will say this, it's kind of bothered me a little bit. I'm a little ashamed to admit this because it's so superficial, but it's bothered me that it, of late, opening nights have gotten very casual. And <laughs> I can hope that, man, when we are allowed to have opening nights again, those things are going to be parties. And I hope people bring out their outfits. I cannot wait until we can all drink cheap wine again and stand around and eat canapes in in looks i want looks at the theater i want joy and i want everyone to just be hugging all of everyone it's going to be the best 
That is such an Annika Chapin wish. There's no, (laughs) (laughs) so I can't like, I'm I can't, I can't. Although I, I will say I do love any excuse to put on a suit. I love suit dropping. So I love an opening night. If anyone wants to have me as their plus one on an opening spotters, I'll accept the invite. I love it. (laughs) But like you look at those outfits they were all wearing in the roaring 20s after they couldn't go outside for a few years with the flu and like bring that on beating on everything shorten those hemlines. Let's just let's do this next as soon as safety is is established. Let's bring out the finery babies. It's the theater. Let's be theatrical. Headwear or go home. <laughs> We're talking to someone who has already worn head spikes to not one, but two opening nights. You know, and no, that was before. <laughs> nothing like obstructing the view of the theater, the patrons behind you. I mean, it makes it makes you uh, very popular. Well, that wraps it up for our first annual in the spotlight spectacular spectacular uh we will see you in 2021 um stay tuned on our social media channels for more information and uh, we hope um, all of us at good speed and at in the spotlight hope that you have a wonderful holiday season and we'll see you soon bye everyone bye everyone This podcast has been a presentation of Goodspeed Musicals, produced by the artistic staff and edited by me, Michael Fling. This podcast would also not be possible without the generous support of the Sennheiser Electric Corporation, the Burry Frederick Foundation, Webster Bank, and the Richard P. Garmany Fund at the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving. If you enjoyed the show and would like to financially support Goodspeed, please visit goodspeed.org. See you next time.